The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. The Federal Judicial District in eastern Texas is a magnet for patent litigation. More than a third of all infringement cases are filed there. Critics say that's because patent holders know they, they stand an especially good chance of winning. Four of the biggest patent verdicts in U.S. history have been delivered in that district. Well, the magnetism of the eastern district of Texas may be coming to a sudden end. The U.S. Supreme Court yesterday agreed to take up a case that would sharply limit the ability of patent holders to choose their favorite court when they file suit. At issue is whether under federal law, a patent suit can be pressed anywhere the defendant regularly does business, as is the case now, or only in the state where it is incorporated. Here to talk about the, that case and what it will mean for the vulnerability of big companies to patent suits is the person I always go to when I have a patent law question, Bloomberg News's patent reporter Susan Decker, and Michael Smith, a patent lawyer at Seberg, Seaman, Berg, Phillips and Smith. He practices in Marshall, Texas, at in the Eastern District's busiest patent courthouse. Sue, let me start with you. Tell us just who is involved in this Supreme Court case. Well, the case actually technically has nothing to do with Texas. It is a case that Kraft had filed in Delaware against a rival maker of water flavorings named T.C. Heartland. T.C. Heartland said they're based in Indiana and the suit should be there. Uh, the judge said no, case stays in Delaware. It went to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit, which handles all patent appeals. And from the beginning, even though it was about Delaware versus Indiana, was set up as a, dis a an issue of how to deal with all the patent suits in Texas. And Mike, explain the issue here. Well, the issue is whether the issue the court's looking at is whether the statute that Congress passed setting uh, venue in patent cases one prong of it limits cases to being filed just where a defendant is incorporated or whether it can be where where the the statute congress has written says that it can be filed anywhere where they essentially do business so the question is whether the court whether the court is going to narrow that prong of the statute down to just where a defendant is incorporated sue how much of a difference will it make if if a plaintiff can't choose the courthouse. How, how important is it to be able to sue in that federal district in Texas or in the federal district in, in Delaware? Well, well the, the, pro the problem there is that the case is only directed at one of the two prongs under the uh, statute. If that prong is changed the way that, that Heartland is asking it be changed, plaintiffs would be very limited in terms of being able to sue an infringer um, in, in a court that they think is more efficient or is more favorable to them. So what the problem is, what I think they're going to do is they're going to go to the other prong, which says that uh, you can also sue a case wherever there is infringement and the defendant has a facility. And my concern is that that's going to cause plaintiffs to stop suing a manufacturer that they think is infringing, and they'll start filing what we call customer suits. They'll start suing retailers and customers. Uh, for example, uh, Acme uh, explosive devices, to borrow a Wiley Coyote uh, uh, 
defendant, they may be located in Idaho, and I may not be able to get venue on them in in the Eastern District of Texas if this uh, if the court does restrict it under that prong. But what I can do is I can go down and sue Lowe's and Walmart and Best Buy and everybody who carries their products, uh, or I can sue distributors. I generally represent um, uh, some of the smaller defendants, the, the distributors, the retailers like that, and they have a much more difficult time defending cases. So my concern is this isn't going to reduce the number of cases. It's just going to cause plaintiffs to go after more vulnerable defendants. And, and we have a problem with shakedown suits now, and I'm afraid this is going to make it worse. There's, there's also the issue of where will the cases end up? Um, you know, a lot of the cases, if they are tech company versus tech company, will end up in Northern District of California. Um, Delaware is already one of the most popular courts. Uh, will that mean even more cases in Delaware? Um, the lawyers, patent owners, tend to gravitate towards courts where the judges don't hate patent cases. A lot of judges don't like to take patent cases. Um, so they're going to try and find ways to go to those courts. Um, so you'll still see some of the busiest courts, Northern California, Central California, New Jersey, Chicago, Delaware, will still be very popular. Mike, tell, tell us, Mike, tell us about your your courthouse. There is it as is it as plaintiff friendly as its reputation uh, uh, says that it is. I, I, lo- I love it when people ask me that. My last verdict across the street was earlier this year. We got a defense verdict for a uh, mouse manufacturer, and at the time we got it, we were the sixth defense verdict in a row. The next day upstairs, the string got broken, so I felt like Dak Prescott after the game the other night. But no, it's it's not. It, defense verdicts are more common than plaintiff's verdicts, um, and my experience has been, you talked about some of the larger uh, verdicts. Well, of course, those tend to get set aside, but also most of the verdicts I see, the plaintiff is only getting a fraction of what they're asking for. I had two back-to-back uh, a few years back, where the plaintiff got about 10% of what they were asking for. Where you see the large numbers are where you have enormous sales or you have medical devices, an Apple, a Microsoft, or a medical device. That's where you see uh, the big numbers. Um, Sue, uh, let me ask you about the Federal Circuit. The Federal Circuit said in 1990 that suits can be filed wherever the defendant regularly does business, and we've seen the Supreme Court regularly reversing the Fed Circuit lately. Is taking this case an indication that it will reverse? That's what pretty much everyone expects. As you mentioned, the Supreme Court um, and the Federal Circuit have an interesting relationship. Um, Usually the Federal Circuit does what it does, and the Supreme Court says, no, you went too far. Um, So there's pretty much no one expects the Supreme Court to uphold the Federal Circuit. Um, What it may do, in addition to that, is uh, there's been a push here in Washington for legislation to change the venue statute. Um, If the Supreme Court does, as expected, overturn the federal circuit, that movement, uh, which would have other things about patent litigation, would pretty much lose all of its steam. That means we will have more topics to discuss here on Bloomberg Law. I want to thank our guests, uh, Susan Decker, Bloomberg News' Patent reporter here with me in our 99.1 studios in Washington, and Michael Smith, a patent lawyer in Marshall, Texas, uh, home of the Eastern uh, one of the courts in the Eastern District of Texas, where uh, roughly 35% of all patent suits are filed. Uh, some people think that the Supreme Court case could limit the business down there and and mean that uh, 
patent holders will have to sue elsewhere around the country. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, Wells Fargo fails a big regulatory test. We'll talk about what that means for its future and whether the Trump administration uh, might affect how banks are regulated in this country. And we'll talk about a prior restraint order from a judge uh, against a newspaper in New Jersey. That's all coming up. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.